This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where customers who save by switching their home and car save nearly $800 on average. Quote at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Hi, this is Sean. And this is Eli. And we're here with a special surprise. We have episode one of The End of Time and Other Bothers, our new show, for you right now. Yeah, this is something a little different. It's an improvised fantasy role-playing game set in the same world as Alba Salix. So stay tuned till after the episode to learn how to subscribe to this new show and to get a few quick awesome updates. Imagine this. It's a river downstream from a gigantic waterfall. It is called the Twist, the most magical river in all the land. And by the river comes walking a little man. He is a halfling. He is littler than most people in town. But he is not from this town. He is not from this world. He has a job to do, this halfling man. He is guide for travelers coming here from far, far away. It is very important duty. But instead, he has to talk to annoying squirrel. Morning, Cyrus. Uh, oh, oh, hey, Augustus. How's it going? It's going stupendous as always. You're looking well. Thanks. Mind if I ride up here? What? Oh, ow, oh, watch, watch the... Oh, it's a good view from up here. I didn't think this day could get any worse. I was riding a centaur the other day. Yeah, you can get a great view from their shoulders. Where are we going? I'm going up to the glade at the top of the hill. Oh, amazing. There's some great oak trees up there. Yeah, 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 I hear there are. It's making me hungry already. Hey, you packed a lunch. What if I check it out? Uh, no, that's that's my... Oh, egg salad sandwiches, my favorite. <sighs> oh, sorry. Do you want one? No, that's okay. You enjoy yourself on the Cyrus Ferry. Thank you. Next stop, the Glade. Well, you're a funny pair. What is is that? Oh, hello, Tweeter. Hi, Augustus. Oh, God, you know each other. Well, of course we do. It's the forest. Everyone knows everyone in the forest. No, no. Who's your friend? This is Cyrus. He works down at the academy. Where are you guys going? Up to the glade. Oh, can I come too? Oh, if you like. The more the merrier. Oh, this is good. I yeah. don't have to fly. What, what yeah. do you mean? What? Oh, ow, ow, oh. It's oh. all right. We'll help balance oh. you out. It's a nice perch. Yeah, have a sandwich. Oh, even better. All right, here. You know what? I don't know if we're going to make it all the way to the glade. This log here is looking pretty good. Oh, don't sit in that one. Why not? Mrs. Skunk, she came along last night and gave it a good one. Ooh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Good call. Thanks, Tweeter. See? I'm helpful. Yeah, really helpful. Are you enjoying that sandwich? Oh, the sandwich is good. Do you have another one? Oh, here we are. This log looks and smells great. Oh, I think that one's cursed. Cursed. Well, then it's perfect for me. Everyone make themselves comfortable. I'm just going to read my book and wait forever. What are we waiting for? Not sure. Some new arrivals. If all goes well. 
you want some grubs? No, Tweeter, you, you can keep the grubs. Poor Cyrus. So long to wait. His visitors haven't even left home yet. They have not even been born. Not for hundreds of years. So long to wait. But don't worry, Cyrus. They will be here soon. Who are these visitors? I will tell you. But to do that, I must take you all the way to the end of the world. The End of Time and Other Bothers. An improvised fantasy role-playing game set in the world of Alba Salix. Your game master is Sean Howard, with players Carter Siddle, Michael Howie, and Marisa King. Episode 1. The End. It's the year 32 or rather, the 32nd year since the Balgamarian Revolution, the very revolution that restored the monarchy, enlightened the people, and brought our most beloved Emperor Boltius to power. It's been over 12 centuries since the cantankerous but beloved Alba Salix walked these lands. Now, Farloria is no more, not even a memory in this day and age. The Balgamarian Empire stretches over the continent and beyond, It all seems pretty far away from life here in Steadfast. Steadfast is your home. It's the capital and the greatest city in the world. It's a twisting grid of monumental concrete and obsidian structures that reach up out of the smog. Sky-high railway trams zip by while workers and vehicles move slowly through their day. Now we're going to begin with Blatt. The camera moves forward. It's following one of the tram cars that zips past and the camera moves in on a nondescript, large concrete building and comes to rest on a window with a worker behind the desk. But that's not Blatt. And the camera begins to go down, faster and faster, past window after window, until it goes all the way through the ground, down deep into the earth, and it starts following some pipes, winding through corridors and empty rooms, until it finally pops into the room where Blatt is usually working, only... Blatt is not to be found. Blatt uh, stumbles into the office, looking around to make sure no one can tell that he's coming in late. Hangs his fedora up on the coat rack, knocking it over because he's in too much of a nervous hurry. Picks it up again, straightens it up, make sure it looks nice. His horns now shimmering in the fluorescent light because... He is a half-demon. He adjusts his tie, and then, like he does every day, which he's done every day for the last nine years, he starts alphabetizing files. Thick government files. Long live Boltius. So your office, is it a cubicle? It's an office? It would be like a small room... Uh, with a lot of shelves in it, and perhaps uh, Blatt gets a single chair, but no desk per se, just just filing, just nonstop filing. 
So basically, on the outside of the door of this room is an old brass plaque that says filing clerk. And your office is very near the furnace. Yes. He is the only one that works there because being half demon, he can withstand the heat. All the other previous file clerks complained and thus were moved to different departments. But not Blatt. He finds it soothing. (laughs) Okay, so Blatt is um, moving paperwork around when... um, Do we have phones, Eli? Do we have a name for those yet? The Talkatron. Okay, so the uh, talk-a-tron. talkatron or the speechifier. Pick one. <laughs> speechifier. I'm writing this down. This is now canon. <laughs> speechifier. Okay, so Blatt, you work for Balgem. Balgem is the one of the largest companies. There's not very many. And Balgem produces all the electronics, the commercial electronics of the world. And they're known for not always being the highest quality. So uh, your speechifier on your desk uh, starts twittering. Howdy ho, go for Blatt. <laughs> uh, Blatt, uh, we seem to have a problem that we don't have the correct files from that accident case last week. Oh, no, I think I should have gotten that by now. Do you have a name for it? Well, no, if I had the name, then I would have the file. Makes finding the file a bit more difficult. I'll see if it's this one. No, it's not this one. (laughs) Maybe the one below it. I No, I just got these last night, so I don't think these would be them. It's from last week. It was the explosion. The explode. Oh, right. Now, did I file that under E for explosion or D for devastating explosion? No, no, just, I, just give me a minute, please. No, no, don't. Oh. Is there old music? Boom, boom, <laughs> boom, boom. Can't believe I'm on hold. I don't have time for this. Actually, it was in another section of E. It was under extremely devastating explosion, but I have it here. Yes, boy, it's a thick one. <sighs> I need that right away. Send that up to floor D7392. D7. Three. Three. Nine, two. Nine. Two. Two. Yeah, I need that rushed. I'll pneumatic tube it up, sir. Very well, thank you. And that's a good day from Blatt. Long live Boltius. So basically, Blatt, your day uh, goes around sort of like that. And uh, what does Blatt do for lunch? Does Blatt bring his lunch? Does uh, Blatt does bring his lunch. He just uh, warms it up in his hands. He doesn't need to use any of the lunchroom appliances for the food. And uh, he eats it in his chair in the file room. Because he noticed that going outside the building would actually take his entire lunch hour to get all the way up and then all the way around to the door and then outside again. So he just stays in the chair the entire time, trying not to get crumbs on his slacks. So I just want to picture this. This is Blatt sitting in a chair in the middle of a filing room with no desk. No desk. No, you don't need one. If you want to pile files up, that's what the floor is for. 
So I'd say that it's a pretty busy day. It's the pneumatic tubes are firing like nonstop, just all morning. Just shook, shook. they're like stacking up on each other as you have your lunch and plugging up the tube. That's what the broom beside the pneumatic tube is for. <laughs> Sometimes you have to shove the stick up there just to unclog it to get the files coming out again. And sometimes papers fall out and they wind up in other files. But that's what makes Blatt's job challenging. Well, I was going to say, like, that pressure would be building up as they stack up in that too. Mm. Right. Mm. So it's after lunch, like it's around one o'clock, and all the tubes are stacked up, and there's a strange sucking. It's like this, this high pitched sucking. It's like the pressure is building and building and building of the tube, and you're, you're realizing you might need to get that unstuck. We call that the busy day whistle. It's quite annoying. So that's got to get the poking stick. Come on, get out, get, stop the whining, out. So what are you doing? Tell uh, me what you're doing. Yeah, just taking uh, the end of the broom and just shoved it up uh, the one problematic pneumatic tube. The problematic-matic tube. <laughs> Say that three times. Problematic pneumatic tube. The problematic tube. And uh, yeah, papers are flying everywhere. Okay, give me a defy danger roll. So you got that stick way up there. Our first roll of the game. Two dice. Here we go. Oh, that's a three. <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to have you help me with this one. So basically, you've got the broom halfway up this tube. There's this growing high-pitched sound, which we're probably going to hear when Eli adds it. And the broom gets jammed, and you see you see the glass start to, like, crack of the whole tube. What Ooh. happens? Well, Blatt starts to get very nervous because this is a really problematic pneumatic tube. <laughs> he looks around for someone to help him, but he realizes he works alone. <laughs> And so he's trying to hold the pneumatic tube together with one hand while continuing to shove with uh, his other hand that has the broom. And the squealing is just getting higher and higher and higher. And uh, yeah, he, he isn't quite sure what to do. He just keeps shoving with his problem solving stick. <laughs> and that is when the explosion shakes the entire building as it just shatters the whole tube shatters and all of the waiting canisters come pounding like literally ricocheting around the room like little bullet very large bullets bouncing off cabinets knocking them over files flying through the air and you're gonna take four damage oh my lord this as, was quite as, the explosion yeah. so basically the glass shattering out sends you flying and right into one of the the filing cabinets, knocks it over, knocks the next one over. It's like a domino effect in the room. I think you could classify it as another extremely devastating explosion. <laughs> I'll have to file this, except the file room doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> and that's when something very strange happens. So first of all, you got the ringing in your ears, but all of a sudden you realize that there are no more sounds of pneumatics. So at first you think, okay, the tubes are broken, you broke everything, but then you realize that the furnace isn't running. Like it takes a minute for it to sort of sink in that there's a silence you've never heard. I'm cold. This has never happened in all the time I've worked here. So I open the door 
If it's still on its hinges, probably not. <laughs> it's probably half on it. You shove the door. You just you sort of stumble out of the room with chaos behind you. Looking around again, there's no one, and I'll go next door to uh, the furnace room to see what's happening in there. Okay. Yeah, you've been in there many times, like to warm up on a cold day. Uh, so you open the door to the furnace room, and there is no furnace in the room. Well, that's changed since last time. <laughs> it's like a large, empty room. Like, like it's a massive room, right? And it's just utterly empty. I, I hope the speechifier is working. I feel like I need to report this to HR or something. <laughs> is there a furnace number? Uh... <laughs> I think the number was on the side of the furnace. <laughs> I know. I'll, I'll call my boss. That's it. He wanted to get the devastating explosion file, and perhaps this will take precedent. <laughs> Can I find the phone <laughs> in the like, room that I used to work in? Right. So you're back, you're back in the room. You yeah. You find the the speechifier um, under a filing cabinet. It looks like it wasn't damaged too badly. That's good. Government property. Okay. So you're gonna try it. Yeah. It's ringing. Like it's twittering. Like you hear the. Tick, 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 tick. But there's no answer. So, my manager isn't picking up. My department's been utterly devastated. <laughs> and the furnace is missing. I think this might be a professional development day. And <laughs> just call this Wednesday a write-off, and I'll see you 9 a.m. tomorrow morning. Ah, uh, guess I'm going to have to... Go upstairs. So you gather up what's left of your lunchbox. <laughs> oh, there's a file in it. Oh, there's part of a file in it. I'll just, oh, this was part of the extremely devastating explosion file that my boss wanted. I'll save that for later. <laughs> your fedora is still there, untouched. Oh, thank in heavens. Long in, live Boltius. In all the devastation, it's still there. So put on my hat and start trudging upwards. As you walk out, the doors fall off behind you and hit the corridor. That's that's janitorial. I'm not going to worry about that. That's that's not my area. And you make your way through your long route that you have to go through. It's pretty normal that you don't see anyone. Um, and you come up onto the street out of your little side janitorial door and... It takes a moment. The first thing that hits you is it smells different. Sulfur? <laughs> he said, hopefully. Um, yeah, there might be a bit of sulfur. There's mm, a weird... Like mother's milk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so th there's a sulfur smell to the air, and then it hits you that you don't hear anything again. It's like insanely quiet. Not even the monorail? No monorail? No centurions stomping around? Just silence. This is more than just a file-related incident. <laughs> what, I have to ask, what would you, uh, what would you organize a file-related incident under? <laughs> well, it's all just F. F is uh, the most popular letter in... Uh, in the department. 
because most things get filed under F for this should be filed under a file for like X is never used, Q very unpopular, F that's three filing cabinets right there. But he could always find it because he was the only one working that department. Mm -hmm. He knew what was what. Uh, I think Blatt's going to have to re-enter the building and perhaps talk to someone in security or something. Mm -hmm. Maybe someone's got a working speechifier that we can contact somebody in the outside world to see what's going on. So cut to Blatt standing at the big front security entrance. And there is nothing. There are no people at security. There are no people going up and down the movators. Got to write that down. There are, there are no people coming in and outside the front doors. Oh, no. Copernicus should be on duty. He's the head of security. He should be at his little desk out front here. Oh, Copernicus, what's happened? <laughs> yeah, there's nothing. Just gonna walk around, get towards the the movators, see if I can call one of those up. It and, does. It comes down with a ding. Oh, very good. So uh, I'll get into the movator, and I think I know what's happening. What I need to do. So I just hit every button going up like a Christmas tree. Okay. Two, three, four, right up to 112. <laughs> yep. And I just get off at two to see if if I poke my head out, whether there's anybody doing anything on no. any floor. So you on two, you your hope gets raised for a second because you see like a bag that had been set down or dropped, but then you realize there's not a sound. You don't see anyone. Bag, do you know anything? <laughs> I take the bag. <laughs> okay so inside the bag you actually see it's an executive's lunch someone had been sent to get it so this is not this is not like an impest core thing like this is like real food i get back in the elevator heat the bag up with my hands and i'll just start eating as i poke my head out on, three. on each floor on three. So yeah. I'm picturing like flame coming up from the bag, sort of as the, like the embers of the bag are burning away as the food heats up. You don't need the paper anymore, so that's fine. Okay, and so you're yeah, you're going up floor by floor. Ding, ding. Like, there is nobody in this entire building. Hello? Long live Boltius! You hit the executive suite floor. Oh, like, there, someone's gonna know their lunch is missing. I, I best finish the sandwich up before I get off on this floor. If anyone asks about their lunch, I'm gonna have to fade ignorance. Okay, so you're shoving the rest of it in your mouth. Yep. Uh, <laughs> the doors open and you see the like another security station and like you see machines that you'd have to walk through, right, to make sure you don't have any weapons or anything. But you don't you don't see any guards, you don't see anything. Hello? Sirs? Corporate executive sirs? So I'll pass through the uh, the safety machines. Okay. See if I can find the, anyone. The machines like beep, 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 beep as you step through. Um, 
does it detect I have an illicit sandwich in my stomach? <laughs> I don't know. Oh. You're not sure. It might have. <laughs> it might have detected Ooh. executive sandwich. <laughs> but, uh, I'm going to have to risk it then. I'll, I'll keep walking through and see if I can find anyone in uh, one of the main offices in okay. the back. So we cut to you're standing in what must be a VP suite. You it, the view like the, there is no wall. It's all window, like all the way up on a slant, all the way to the ceiling, and you can see everything. But there are no trams. There's no movement down on the streets. The place is empty, and that's when you hear. I spin around to see if maybe someone else has come in through the safety machine. You can't see the safety machine from where you are. You're in the executive office. Maybe this makes me the head of the building now? <laughs> My first order of business will be to get a new furnace. <laughs> it is getting a little chilly. I'd ask someone to do that, but there isn't anyone here. You hear footsteps approaching. Oh. But they're like clopping. Oh, someone's going to ask me about that file I didn't bring up. Or maybe the lunch. The lunch or the file. It's one of the two. So I, I spin around and I don't want them to catch me yep. here in the executive suite, which I should not be. So I'll go out into the hall and see if I can meet the clopping footsteps. Okay, so you step out and you see heading down the hall towards you what looks like a minotaur. Um, you've, you've heard of minotaurs. You've probably done filings of their claims wearing like faded blue coveralls and a duster jacket flowing and uh, what looks like some weird hat. For those listening, it's a 10-gallon cowboy hat, but you're not quite sure you've ever seen anything like that. Uh, he's got a beard that's sort of flecked with white, and he stops when he sees you. And he lifts something up with his hand, and it's hard to even explain what it is. There's like a, a cable, and it's bent, and it has a long part that he's holding, and he sort of points it in your direction and says, Oh, citizen, hail Baltius. Uh, yes, long live Baltius. Um, fair warning, I am not a executive or division head of any sort. I work a few floors below. I've just come up to see what's going on. It pulls Did the trigger and this dart slaps right into your chest. There's just buries itself, this dart. Ow! <laughs> I don't see how this is helpful. I just need to ask, did I say that right? Citizen Hale Baltius? That part was correct. We don't usually shoot bolts at one another afterwards. It's more of our version of hello. <laughs> you should feel that acting pretty quickly. Don't panic. You're just going to feel a little sleepy. I think perhaps you have something to do with this, and you're not all, oh, I'm starting to black out. <laughs> and cut. It's the beginning of the middle of the end of time, end of the bothers. 
Hi friends, Sean here, and oh, so much is happening. It's starting to get really good, and there's so much ahead. We have so many episodes coming, and we can't wait to share the entire story with you. Thank you from the depths of our hearts on behalf of myself and the cast and the crew. There's so many people working on this that couldn't do so without your continued support and just having you here listening and sharing and reviewing. So thank you. So we're going to cut to one of the nicer buildings, and it is actually one of the, the buildings where the Committee of State runs all of its operations out of. And we're going to, like, start somewhere in the middle. We're going to come into a boardroom, and we're going to see Egerton, a flightless fairy who is preparing for a very big presentation on the last explosion fiasco from a week ago. So tell me what we see. Who do we see? What are you doing in this room? It's so it's a it's like a boardroom and you're getting ready for this presentation. People haven't come in yet. You've got like 10 minutes to set it up. Egerton is shuffling papers and opening a folio case and pulling out large printed charts. They're very nicely done with lots of colors, putting them up on easels against the walls humming to himself a bit as he does it. And tell me what we, what does Egerton, like, help me understand how tall, what he looks like. Egerton is a, a somewhat typical fairy. He, he's a little under five feet tall. He's a little tubby, but, you know, when you eat all those carbs and sugars, that's bound to happen. Uh, he's wearing a nice suit, but it looks a little off. And when you look closely, you realize that the pants are slightly different than the suit jackets. Uh, and as you look down even further, you notice that he's wearing two distinctly different colored socks, one blue and one green. Uh, and, you know, just typical, nicely clean shoes. Uh, he's he's uh, in his 30s. He's got wispy hair that's slicked back. It's dark in color. His rosy red cheeks and big round eyes that are green. And he uh, is sorting out all of these things and then... Seems like he remembers something and walks back to the middle of the table and starts spreading out the snacks. He's got various types of cupcakes, cookies Ooh. with swirls in them. <laughs> Real food. Well, yes, he is a fairy after all. These are important, important aspects of any meeting. Are these fairy snacks? These are fairy snacks. Okay. So you're spreading out the fairy snacks? Spreading out the fairy snacks, uh, counting the chairs to make sure there's enough for everybody. It's, a, it's an important presentation, and he needs to be able to explain to the rest of Balgamar what the explosion was and that everyone should remain calm. Okay. There's a knock at the door that's open mm -hmm. and you see your nemesis. You guys started at the same time and she's sort of uh, glued herself to your boss and sort of gotten the promotions. And she's like, Egerton, sorry, Karen said, first you need to be ready in eight minutes. I'm sure you are. I'm sure you're on top of it. But Karen wanted you to know, oh, she told me last night. I totally forgot to tell you. Actually, we need to spin this whole thing that this was, um, this was actually did not happen and come up with some great reason why it's a celebration. It's a celebration now. <laughs> yes. So uh, just- the, uh, the, the large explosion at mm -hmm. the center of Steadfast. Yep. It's a celebration. Yes. I, I have charts on how the wind will expel any potential harmful 
chemicals away from steadfast though yeah i i fascinating I fascinating I'm, I, I, I'm sure you have this in hand uh i'll I'm, i look forward to seeing your, your okay. presentation it's okay everything's okay i i'm okay this is okay it's good we're good good okay. I'll, I'll tell karen you're all set i i i had eight minutes i thought oh yes yes you do okay so i'm uh you you go talk to karen i am going to rearrange these fairy snacks that i brought in from home uh and i i am not going to eat any of them uh, I am not stressed out at all. Uh-huh. I will not resolve it. Great, with great. Eating uh, this has been snacks. lovely. This has been lovely, but, Egerton. Uh, what oh, celebration boy. are we celebrating? Well, that, that your, that's your that's, presentation. That's my that's presentation. Your right. job. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. And t- today's is it's Tuesday. Yes. It's Tuesday. Okay. That that that's no. That's good. Great. That's good. I, I have and, to go. I have okay. to get off. I have okay. To, no, it's okay. Yeah. Go go. Okay. I'm good. I'm good. I'll, okay. Good. I got it. Good. Great. Good. Good. She scurries away. Oh, jeez. It's okay though. I, I know because it's Tuesday and Tuesdays are always good days for me. I like to I I found that microcredit on the ground last Tuesday. So this Tuesday's got to be good. It's okay. I'll it's okay. I'll get it. I'll get it good. Good good. Okay, so the fairy snacks are sort of looking really good on yeah, that Yeah, I'm table. Uh, uh, pretty sure Egerton has already as he was sort of mumbling to himself grabbed two of the little things and started shoving them in his mouth. <laughs> Uh, crumbs sort of falling down, getting caught on his, his suit jacket. Okay, you look up at the clock, you realize it's five minutes before the meeting. Five minutes before. And, and you're staring at your, your, your big slide with the explosion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what's your tagline? The smoke will clear. The smoke always clears. Yeah, the smoke always clears. So you're staring at that, and you got five minutes. Um, you hear people in the corridor starting to work their way towards the meeting room. I look around and try and find a marker. Are, are there a lot yeah. of markers? Under? It's, it's, it's an office space. Of course, there's a lot of markers. So I go and I grab a marker uh, and I, I walk over to the sign and I put one hand under my chin and tuck my other arm under it and look up at the big slide and think, hmm, <gasps> I've got it. And he walks up and where it says the smoke will clear, he puts an exclamation point <laughs> at the very end <laughs> and steps back. Smiles, reaches over and grabs a fairy cake. She stuffs in his mouth and starts to eat as he looks up at it and goes, right. And is he's ready now. Okay, so people are starting to file in. Um, you see your nemesis come in and sort of look at your board and sort of smirk a little and sit down. And um, everyone's starting to sit down. It's the usual yes men, yes women, yes people. And... Uh, minute goes by, everyone's just sort of sitting there. Nobody's mm-hmm. sort of touching the fairy cakes. Everybody have a fairy cake. I brought them in from home. I made them myself. They're very oh. good. Oh, thanks. Uh, I, I, I just ate. Um, but uh, And so everyone's staring at this plate of half-eaten fairy cakes with crumbs. <laughs> They're very tasty. Mm-hmm. I, I, I had to, to, to make sure they were very tasty, though, for all of you. Oh, yes, yes. Good, 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 good. Okay, and so Karen comes walking in. She's like, so sorry to keep you waiting. I hope you didn't wait. Oh, okay, well, let's begin. And she sits down. She goes, Egerton, um, I'm very excited to see uh, what you've come up with to take this tragic event and and make it a celebration for the people. Yes, a celebration. That is exactly what I had planned on doing. And I have done that. So let's get started with... The presentation, it's good. It's a good, it's its good. Uh, could someone pass me one of the cakes, please? Okay, thank you. Thank you for that. So it's, it's very good. We, we. Uh, we, we can't understand you, Agerton. Can you, can you do that last part again, please? Yes, yes. So 
we need to say that this extremely devastating explosion was in fact a good thing. Well, yeah, so I, I thought I established that. So yeah, so if yes. you could go from there, Egerton, from there. and just sort of, yes, go. Oh, it's good, it's good. So what we need to do is spin the idea into something good. Yeah, everyone's like, oh yes, yes, spin, spin. Everyone's driving spin, so it's good, right? Spin's good. So what I thought we could do is say that this extremely devastating explosion was in fact a celebration from the previous extremely devastating explosion <laughs> and that the smoke always clears. See, it cleared. So we're all good. And we were just having fun because we all like to have fun. And the other thing I thought we could do then- Wait, wait, put, so wait, wait, what, now this is- and, and you see your nemesis sort of smirking and you see Karen go, wait, you said we're gonna use the name of the explosion in the celebration? Y yes, that is what I said. Egerton, I think that's brilliant. <gasps> well, thank you very much, Karen. Please, can you uh, can you go to the next slide? If you could just uh, show me what's next, I'm very intrigued. The next slide, right, right. The slides are all, they're all good. You know the next slide is all the dead bodies. Yeah. <laughs> so I, um, I, I pull down the slide and look up at it and listen to the gasps around the table. <gasps> Somebody oh, dead. I think that's my cousin. <laughs> How's he gonna spin this? So, flash mob. <laughs> and you hear a pop. You just hear a pop sound, like your ears popped, like a pressure change. That was weird. But, so, hey, we got everyone together and we, we got on the uh, the speechifier, you know, the night before the celebration of the extremely dangerous explosion, or extremely devastating explosion. And we told them, hey, everybody, here's a fun idea. Let's reenact the first one. And then after that, we all jump up and go, hooray, we're alive. <laughs> and we took this picture just to show for, you know, prosperity, what it would look like before that happened. And it's gonna be really good because we'll get, we'll, we'll get the students out. Maybe we'll bring up some of the people who are working in the basement. They don't see you a lot start of the to get a feeling that nobody's listening. Um, but your, guys, your back is still to them, right? You're staring at this slide as you come up with all this. Uh, so I think, you know, we can all get behind this, right? And I do a little positive arm motion, say, right? Do you turn around? And I turn around. The room is empty. I didn't think it was that bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's nobody in the room. There's nobody in the room. Nobody at all. No. <laughs> Are the fairy cakes still on the table? <laughs> yes. Huh. I walk over and pick up uh, one of the fairy cakes, a pink one, uh, that had only one small bite out of the side of it, and start nibbling on it. Well, I knew Karen was a little, you know, unhappy with some of the things I had done, but I didn't think they'd all run away. Now, you, you were facing the, the slides, so if they would have walked out, they would have walked past you. Like, you thought you were pretty excited, but... Were you that excited to not see them? I do get pretty excited from time to time. And when I get wrapped up in an idea, that idea just starts going. And I don't really know how to stop those ideas from going. And it's sometimes good, though. I think it really helps me get new ideas. And that's what I like to do when I'm baking the fairy cakes. I'm trying different shapes and different colors. So I don't know that I'd necessarily see anything passing me by. But at the same time, you know, I was thinking really, really hard. And that could take away from it, too. But, you know, Karen, she wears those shoes. And they clip-clop, clip-clop, clip-clop when she walks out. So I don't really know. Cut to 10 minutes later keep going <laughs> and i'm really just trying to figure out you know should i be doing this job or should i be trying to do something different i think i can probably you know make people happy and no cloppity, one ever really cloppity, seems to understand wait what well this one's going to be easier you was, feel this ow what was that it smells kind of funny why 
and you hit the floor, and the Minotaur puts you in a bag and puts a device on you, and this turns and walks away out of the room. And we leave the bagged flightless fairy in the boardroom um, with food in his mouth inside a bag. <laughs> we cut to high above Steadfast, and the camera is centered on the plaza of the Empire. And in the center of this plaza is a giant monument we are moving towards it, and the monument is of Emperor Baltius standing on a sphere, a globe, the earth. One hand is raised to the heavens, and the other is reaching out as if to the people. We fly past this monument, and we go past vendors and centurion soldiers and trams sipping through the air, and we start to follow a group of people that are moving forward as if to enter the People's Museum of Culture and Prosperity. And the camera centers on one of these people, the back of a woman's head, a human woman. And her name is Darcy Kimball. So tell us what we see, Darcy. Okay, so uh, this morning I woke up feeling uh, pretty rough, uh, not really sure what was going on, but I woke up really late, maybe uh, 8 a.m. supposed to be at work at 8 a.m. So I, I throw on my uh, ill-fitting clothes, which I get at the used uh, clothing shop, which is really frowned upon by most humans. But I like going there because I'm into the non-humans, the fairies, the centaurs and things. And so I kind of want to dress the way they do. So I have sort of ill-fitting like a fairy jersey and uh, some centaur pants that only fit two legs. <laughs> so I just put them on uh, just because, you know, I don't, I don't want to look like the other humans. <laughs> Uh, also, I don't have a lot of money. So uh, so anyway, I'm rushing through the vendors. I'm supposed to get to the cafeteria because I'm supposed to be serving breakfast. And now we're already heading towards lunch. Hopefully, my boss won't notice. So I try and sneak through the back long hallway. Awesome. And the, tell me, what does Darcy look like aside from the clothing? Uh, so I've got spiky brown hair, which I find really hard to keep down and keep uh, tamed. I've got these greenish eyes, but in certain lights, they look almost yellow. So they lean towards yellow. I'm only about 5'4", so pretty skinny because don't get to eat a lot. And wearing pants that have two extra sets of legs. Yeah, which dragon. I've sort of, no, no, actually I've tied them up around my waist in this cool sort of style. And occasionally I flip one of the legs around, you know, just to just to seem cool, or what Darcy thinks might be considered Love cool. Love it. Okay. All right, so you're working your way in. So yep. so Darcy works at the People's Museum of Culture and Prosperity. In the cafeteria, yeah, the cafeteria. as a line worker. Yeah. So uh, so Darcy, to get to her job, she would come in the, the main entrance. So it's a pretty impressive building. Like most of the buildings in uh, Steadfast are really more monumental and massive and imposing. This is more wide steps and like people are allowed to come in to, to, to see the, yeah, the museum. Yeah, it's pretty imposing. But I go in the back entrance, actually, to okay. get to the cafeteria because right. I don't want anyone to see me. Okay, so uh, so Darcy's coming in the back entrance. You come up to the little guard station, and you see Gordo sitting there, the guard, sort of looking bored. And he's like, name badge. Gordo, you see me every day. I don't know who you are yet. I haven't seen your name badge. <sighs> Here's the name badge. Yeah, it's still you, Darcy. It's still me. Yeah, okay. Still me. All right, you can go through. All right. Thanks, Weren't Gordo. you supposed to be here for the first shift? I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. See you, Gordo. Bye. Darcy, you turn left down the employee-only corridor that you have gone down a hundred, if not a thousand times on your way to the cafeteria when you are stopped dead in your tracks because immediately to your right 
is a pair of golden gleaming doors underneath a giant curved sign that reads the Hall of Wonders. Okay, so I I stop and and I have this satchel and I'm pulling out, you know, my apron and my hairnet and I'm starting to put it on. But as I'm putting this stuff on, I'm really looking at this door and I'm thinking, was this here yesterday? I'm sure this wasn't here yesterday. Did Did I miss it? And I'm thinking, I'm so late, but also this door is so fascinating. This was not here yesterday. It was not here the day before. In fact, the blank walls sort of turn gold and angle in, leading you to this pair of doors. And one of them is open a crack. Okay, so I slowly approach the door and I just peek through the crack to see what's in there. Okay, and it's a little dark inside, um, but you see like an exhibit where they have beams of light coming down on different things that are sort of in the walls and behind glass. So I look around to see if anyone's watching, and I crack open the door a little more, and I just sidle through to try and see some of these exhibits that I've never seen before. So first of all, as you're coming in, the lights are all on, and you see that most of the room, the lights are lighting up empty displays. But you're walking past three or four, and there are things that you don't even know what they are. And considering that you've probably seen the whole museum. Yes. And the museum only has what's currently available and steadfast, right? Like, you know everything else in the museum. There's nothing unusual in this museum. Right. Everything in this room is insanely unusual. You see, like, a looks like a flat piece of, I don't know, like, gleaming something. It's like a rectangle, and it's got writing on it, and a strip, and, and it says credit. And then you see, like, this round object that has all these markings on it. And it says V-A-S-E, and you're not sure what that is. And there's just, like, all these, like, weird things, and you're just, like, they're alien. Like, like it's like a joke. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I look at each of these items, and I'm trying to figure out how they fit in or what they might be from. Because usually what I'm used to in the main part is they'll have, like, the Observatron 2000, and then the Observatron 3000, and yeah. then the Observatron 4000. Right. So it's all just the same. So I have no idea what to make. I'm just completely agog at what's going on here. And then you realize what time it is, and you've been spending time in here. Okay, now do I have my little camera clicker here? Yeah. Okay, so I I take it out, and I'm I'm taking a few pictures of this stuff, because I'm just, this is wild. It'd be great to show the centaur later. Okay. So so I I take these pictures, and I run back out through the door, and I just close it again to uh, the crack that it was closed at. And you hear a... (coughs) And I turn around to look at who's coughing. And you see the head curator of the museum standing there like frozen, like he was getting something out of a bag and he's just looking at you. Hey, Mr. Sootweather. How, how are you today? Um, um, very well. Um, were you um, just in that room? Mm, I might have stepped into it for a minute, why? Uh, I, uh, my hairnet, <laughs> see, which I have on my head now, just kind of it fell into the room. I had to just grab it, but mm-hmm. I didn't see anything. I mean, where, where, where do you work? Uh, I'm at the cafeteria. Yes. And uh, what's your employee number? Uh, it's 58432. Thank you, 58432. That will be all. 
okay, uh, hope to see you later at the cafeteria. I know you enjoy uh, the zesty uh, casserole. And I run down the hall as fast as I can. Okay. As you're running, you're dropping things, picking them back up. You catch, you just catch a glimpse of someone watching you. And at first you think it's soot weather. And then you realize that it's a minotaur, which you've seen before. But Mm -hmm. he's wearing like dusty blue overalls and a weird hat. And he uh, then just turns away and goes between two columns and walks away. But you had the sense that he was watching you. Okay, so I I look down after him, but I I don't want to engage because uh, I'm already really late and I've already got in trouble with Mr. Sootweather. So I'm just trying to keep a low profile now. Okay. Uh, so you make it uh, to, the, you know, and uh, Macy is there and, and Macy's like, Oh my God, I covered for you, but you're really pushing it. I know, I know, I know. Uh, I'll just... Get on the casserole. Okay, okay, I'm on the casserole here. Did anyone notice, do you think? No, 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 we covered, we covered. We said you were, like, making stuff out back. Excellent, good cover. I hope it was worth it. I hope I hope he or she was worth it. <laughs> no, it's fine. Uh, so you're serving out casserole. It's an endless line, you know. Hi, Wednesday's surprise day. Would you like the mystery flan, the mystery bake, or the what? mystery soup? What's in the mystery soup? Well, it's surprise day. You know, that's what they like to do here at the cafeteria Wednesdays. We can't tell you, but you can have it original or zesty or party. Zesty. Zesty it is. Here you go. Enjoy yeah. your meal. Thank Hail you. Baltius. Okay, so it's line after line. And then at one point, you see him again watching you. The minotaur. Yeah. So he's sitting out in the main food area. He's not eating. You sort of meet his gaze, and then he slowly turns away and goes to looking at something else. Okay, so I turn to Macy and I say, hey, Macy. Yeah, what? Do you see? Are you out of casserole already? No, not yet. No one ever takes the casserole. You know that. Yeah, I know. Uh, Do you see that minotaur sitting out in the food court? What minotaur? The minotaur. Right over there. He's not there. He was right there. I could have sworn. I feel like he's watching me or something. Uh, anyway, I'm probably just imagining. You okay? Yeah, I, I, I think so. Uh, I'm fine. Is it a late night, maybe? Yeah. I'm a little really too late much night. in Pescor <laughs> soda? Uh, that, that's it, I'm sure. Yeah, okay. All right, so you guys are like washing up. You know, you're, you're finishing up. It's the end of your shift. <laughs> you basically worked an hour shift. Um, so the, lunch is sort of the end of your shift. And cleaning up and all the girls and guys and everything are like starting to hang up their aprons. Like, see you tomorrow. Macy's like, see you tomorrow. Maybe. (laughs) I'll be here. I'll see you tomorrow. All right. All right. See you later. Okay. And so everyone's sort of going off and heading out through the back corridors. So I follow. Okay. So you're going along the back corridors and you hear a clopping of feet in a corridor behind you. Okay. So I stop and I turn around. Okay, you don't see anything. Okay, so now I'm moving a little faster to try and catch up with Macy and the rest of them. Okay. So you're running, you're trying to catch up, and all of a sudden an arm grabs you and pulls you in between two pillars. Hey, what the? Shh, quiet, I will explain. And you see the minotaur in the dusty corvalls, the hat. He lets go of you, holds his hands up like he doesn't mean you any harm, and he holds a finger up to his lips and says, shh. And he gestures, and there's a small gap between the pillars that leads over towards the public side, right? Which you don't ever generally go anymore because there's nothing to see there. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's gesturing you forward towards the public side. Okay, so I look around a bit, and I 
follow him hesitantly. Okay, as you get closer um, and he moves one more pillar forward and sort of gestures for you to join him, you see that Mr. Sootweather is actually interacting with one of the centurions. And as a citizen of Steadfast, your blood runs cold just seeing Sootweather talk to a centurion and remembering your interaction with Sootweather. And a centurion is a eight-foot-tall exoskeleton. It's half soldier, half tank. They speak out of a box on their like shoulder. They're they're riddled with weapons. They are designed for mass warfare, and yet they patrol the streets. And their justice is swift. People just disappear. And the centurion is saying. State your business. Yes, yes, I'm trying to, you confounded machine. State your business. I have stated it twice. State your business, citizen. I run this establishment, and I need you to pull in cafeteria worker for interrogation and then disposal. Normal procedure. There's a pause while that sinks in for you. And the Minotaur sort of puts a hand on you like not to bolt. And the Centurion says, Proceed. State name. I told you my name. State name of appointee for interrogation. Oh, it's cafeteria worker 58431. Or maybe it was 54832. Just do plus or minus five. Get them all. You'll get her. Very well. Submitting orders now. The Minotaur leans down beside your ear and says, Do you have a safe place? My house? That's not safe. Uh, your house? <sighs> the room you found today. Yeah? Do you remember where it is? Yeah, it's just down the hallway. Okay. In a moment, all of a sudden, your, your card, your employee card that you're wearing, starts beeping. <laughs> Citizen 58432, please report to the nearest centurion for processing. And I immediately cover it with, I'm trying to rip it off and throw it on the floor. I don't know if I can. <laughs> Can't. It's like, it's so I'm just covering him like, yeah. He's like, go there now, go. And I run. And you see the centurion turning towards you, your direction. Citizen, halt. And I run. Okay, so you're running. So you're going to make. There's no halting. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to make a defy danger roll. You need to roll 2d6. All right. And I roll a 10. Booyah. Okay. So tell me what you want to happen. Is 10 good? Yeah. 10 is great. You get whatever, as per whatever, my What do you want to happen? So it's like I have wings on my feet now, and I'm just soaring down the hallway. This centurion can't touch me, and I dive roll just because I feel like it's cooler. <laughs> <laughs> into the into the room with all the artifacts and I slam the door shut and I look around for can I move one of these empty cabinets no they're all part of the okay, wall okay so I'm looking for something to jam against the door there is nothing so uh, I look around where is there anywhere to hide is there another door there is no other door out of this way so now I'm cursing that friggin minotaur I'm like what what did he mean? Why Why am I in here? I'm frantically looking at all the artifacts. Is there anything going on? And so from outside, you hear, Citizen, halt. Gun is armed. Citizen, you will halt. And you hear, it's like a, a sound of metal striking metal. And you hear this roar. 
and you hear sparks and you hear and you hear like more clanging of metal and then you hear the alarm sound. Now, as a citizen of Steadfast, every once in a while, you'll hear the alarms, like the last horrible explosion. They go across the entire city, and it basically means it's like lockdown. You get to safety. It basically means the centurions are moving. So you hear the alarms going out over the whole city, but it's muffled because you're in this room. And then you hear a tap, tap, tap at the door. There are no citizens in here. No citizens at all. It's me, Darcy. Open the door. Who's me? <laughs> the Minotaur. All right. So I slowly open the door, and I let him just inch through. So as soon as the door opens, the sound of the alarms just gets so loud. It's blaring everywhere. You hear the sounds of shutters coming down over windows, like full lockdown. And he comes into the room. Are you okay? Yeah, but I, I don't know what's going on. This only happened that Thursday that we poisoned that guy who was high up in the... Never mind. Let's not talk about that right now. What? You only have a few more seconds. What do I do? Who are you? What's going on? And all of a sudden, everything stops. The alarm stops. The lockdown stops. You hear like everything just slowly halt. He's like, well, you're about to find out, Darcy. Darcy Kimball, you may be one of the only people to experience what just happened. And I'm happy to report, I'm still here to see it too. We weren't sure about that. Come, and he opens the door and it's just silence. Are you gonna tell me what's going on here? Because I was just supposed to come into work and serve people some mystery crap, zesty or original or party, and now I'm stuck in this room with a minotaur and I don't know what's going on. And he steps out into the hall. He says, I can't explain it, you have to see it, Darcy. And he starts walking back towards where the centurion was. So I just, I just sort of stand in the middle of the room for a minute. There's nothing. There's no sound. Everything just seems weird. So then I remove my hairnet and I remove my apron and I stuff it into my satchel and I straighten myself up and I try and screw up my courage and I march after this minotaur wherever he's going. Okay. Where is everybody? Why is it so quiet? And he turns to you and he says, This is the end, Darcy. This is the event that ends everything. I don't know what that is. It's more than I can explain to you. But come, you have to see it. And he walks towards the front steps and pushes open one of the doors and steps out onto the street. And I follow. Okay. Eyes very wide. So as you step out, you see the street is there, the buildings, the some of the vendor stalls, but there are no people. There are no trams. There's a broken, what looks like a broken down vehicle because it's not moving. And it's right sort of there in the road in front of you. But it's not moving. It's not buzzing. It's, and as far as you can see in both directions, there there's just no life. There's no sound. There is this strange tang scent to the air. I don't know what's going on. Maybe we should find Gordo. Gordo might know what's going on. He runs security here. Have you met Gordo? I don't know, but I think he's usually at the back entrance, and maybe we should go and look around for him or something because I don't know what's going on. I understand. 
we can. We can go and look around, Darcy. But I think first you need to just see this because this is what it looks like everywhere right now. Is it just everywhere like this? Yes. Is the emperor still alive? We actually don't know. Hail Boltius. Hail, hail, hail Boltius, citizen. Did I say that right? I need to work on that for later. It's good enough for now. I don't know how to make this easy for you, Darcy. I'm a hunter. I, I don't normally deal with people. But it's really important that you understand what has happened. So where do you want to go so that you can fully realize? Well, I would go to my home, but that's I usually get there on the tram. It's a long way to walk. Could you carry me? You <laughs> seem pretty big. We might get there faster that way. I'm happy to carry you. And he kneels down and like puts you piggyback. And he starts to run, like, cloppity-cloppity, like, he moves pretty fast. And I think Darcy's kind of in shock, because she wouldn't normally ride piggyback on a minotaur, but this seems like exceptional circumstances, <laughs> so she's just sort of clinging to him, just not knowing what to do. And so he stops at different cross streets, so you can sort of look around, and then he just waits for you to tell him which way to go from there. So I give him directions all the way back to my little hovel. Okay, so you work your way all the way back. Is it one of the skyscraper? Yeah, I, yeah, I'm in one of the uh, skyscraper buildings in a really small unit. Okay, so he brings you back to one of the residence buildings, and it's that's where I think it really starts to hit you because, like, the city is got its problems, but when you get to the residences, which is where just all the not well off people are, there's like sharing and laughter and talking, and and there's not a sound. And it's as if the moats in the air aren't moving, like the dust. There's something surreal about the whole experience to where you're not even sure if you're dreaming or awake. And he sets you down. Are you okay to walk up to your unit? Uh, uh, will you come with me? Of course. All right, let, let's go. Uh, he follows you. So uh, I try and summon a movator. Are they working? Yep. It dings, comes down. Okay. So I get in the movator and I go up to the 16th floor yep. where my unit is. 1625. Okay. So here we go. And okay. I look around. I step out into the hallway. Yeah. It's very weird. You see like a toy on the hall, like just abandoned. So then I run along the corridor. I'm just knocking on doors. Yeah. One door swings open. Mrs. Sitwell? Anyone? Empty. And I just, nothing. Nothing. So then I turn to the Minotaur and I say, I, fine, I believe you. Everyone's gone. Where are they? What's going on? I'm not the one to explain that to you. We don't have a lot more time. I just needed you to see it. Well, this is great. <laughs> Could you send the person who does know what's going on? Yes, I can. And he pulls out this it's like a beetle. It's made of gleaming metal and with little legs and wings tucked on it. Like it's a beautiful, and it's about six inches tall. And he, he hands it to you. And I and take it. This is a Grisham device. It will take you to the person that can answer your questions. Okay. How do I know you're telling me the truth? Well, you don't have a lot of choice. That is true. We don't know exactly how long we have in this stream so you need me to activate this little beetle guy 
Yeah, so I can activate it for you or, or you can activate it yourself. It has to become part of you to work. Whoa. It does hurt. This just, none of this sounds good. What do you mean part of me? He reaches out his hand. He takes it from and he presses the button on the back and all the feet sink out as blades that are about two inches deep. And he says, so you basically, and he presses it again and the, the feet blades go away and he puts it against his arm. He says, you place it on a part of your body and press the button and it will take over from there. I've never been a fan of feet blades. Is this the only way? I, I can tranquilize you first and then do it for you. My eyes screw up and I close them really hard and I say, no, fine, just, just put it on me and you activate it. It's an honor to meet you, Darcy. If you are screwing around with and me, I'm going to come back and... Pain, this like sharp pain into your arms oh! as it latches in and grabs on. And then the world goes white. And you actually see all of existence for a brief nanosecond. And then everything goes dark. So you see, our visitors are on their way. Not too much longer, Cyrus. What are you eating? It's called your existential crisis. Oh, that's a big word, isn't it? How do you fit that in your backpack? <laughs> it's not easy. Oh, what does it mean? I don't think we have... No, we've got plenty of time to explain it. There's always time for existential crises. I have no idea what that means. The End of Time and Other Bothers, an improvised fantasy role-playing game set in the world of Alba Salix. Your game master is Sean Howard, with Marisa King as Darcy, Carter Siddle as Blatt, and Michael Howie as Egerton. You also heard Maggie Makar as Ananka, Stephen Smith as Tweeter, and Eli McElveen as Augustus. Additional material and sound design by Eli McElveen. Story consultant, Laura Packer. Game consultant, Stephen Smith. Join our Patreon for behind-the-scenes information, access to our Discord server, and lots more. You'll find it all at otherbothers.com. And there you have it, The End of Time and Other Bothers, Episode 1. If you enjoyed that, check it out. It's on its own feed, so search for The End of Time and Other Bothers on your favorite podcast app. And it's going to be dropping every two weeks on Sunday. We have three now locked and loaded and ready to go. We have two more in production, and we're just about to go into recording the next two. If you'd like to support our shows, check us out on Patreon. We're at patreon.com slash albasalix. You can also rate or review, of course, on iTunes. And if you like the show, tell a friend uh, who, who might enjoy it as well. It really means a lot. We really appreciate it when all you guys share the love of our shows. It is so awesome. And we want to end by also talking about albasalix. Royal Physician Season 2. 
We really appreciated all the love that you guys have been giving us, and we know you're all dying to get season two in your hands. It's coming. It is, and it's just a really big show with a massive cast and a lot of writing that's basically all done right here by Eli. So we've got the scripts are almost done. They're not quite. After the last reading, we had to rework a couple, but we're booking our next reading. We have all the funds we need to go into studio thanks to all the money that we raised last year from all of you at the end of last year. So we're super excited, and we'll be giving more updates to you all soon on where that's at. So stay tuned to this channel for more on that. And in the meantime, thanks for listening. Yeah, and remember, if you love the show, The End of Time and Other Bothers, and we hope you do, you're going to have to subscribe to it. So remember to go and look and subscribe because it's not going to be coming in this feed. And we'll talk to you all soon. Bye. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Hi, folks. Let me see if I can sum up Midnight Burger in about 25 seconds. Really, big monster? Zero irony. Pardon me, Gloria. Might my husband and I have a word? The radio is talking to me. So this is how it ends. Eaten by wolves in space. There's a pocket dimension in the deep freeze. This is the stupidest dystopia we've ever been to. What the hell is that? Because you're having a cigarette in 415 million BC. Where are we? Space. Can you narrow that down? The bad part? Ava. Yeah, that didn't work at all. At the nexus of all things, there is a diner. Look for Midnight Burger on your favorite podcasting app or just go to weopenat6.com. Dot com.